Awesome. Y'all give God a hand. Come on now. Marvin's not the only one up here with some high energy. I'm, I'm going to do some backflips before the sermon's over with. Tell you what, dude, that was awesome, bro. Awesome. Awesome. Good deal, man. Good morning. Glad you guys are here with us this morning. Last week, Pastor Mark kicked off an incredible series. How many of you guys were here last week? Big God, that was our uh, sermon kickoff last week, talking about the, just, the, just the vastness and how big God is. And uh, Man, it just blew me away. Did some of those images last week, did anybody else who was just me just blew you away? Some of those images last week that Pastor Mark put on the screen just did a phenomenal job. I told him after the service, I said, Pastor Mark, I said, I have no idea how you memorized all those numbers. He's like, man, I don't know either, bro. I mean, he was just, boom, just numbers. Just, all these statistics and all this information, it was just like crazy. But I did just did a fabulous job, just an awesome job. Uh, let's go to the uh, Lord in a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, kick off this morning entitled Big Worship. Father God, we just love you, Lord, and we thank you guys so much for loving us. And God, we just, uh, Lord, we're just in awe of you, Lord, that you would, uh, as we said earlier, God, you would just be mindful of me, Lord. That, God, you would choose me, Father. You would choose us, God, to serve you, God, to be your mouthpiece, God, to be your hands and feet in a lost and dying in a broken world, God. That you would use us, God, as your instruments, God, to share the glory of God throughout the whole earth. God, I just pray, Lord, you just set me aside this morning, God. Just speak through me, Father. Speak your word. Speak your message. God, to your people, Lord, we love you, God. We thank you so much for loving us, God. You're a big God, and you deserve big worship. So, God, I just pray, Lord, that we'd leave here, God, this morning, just understanding and realizing, God, that worship is so much more than what we, what we think, God. Lord, we love you, and in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say amen. Hey, we're doing a sermon series called Big. I need a big amen. Somebody say amen. All right, big amens today, baby, big amens. You, my friend, are a worshiper. There you go. Somebody just hollered out. Yeah, she got it. You, my friend, are a worshiper. In fact, you are a big, notice, emphasize, big worshiper. You are a huge worshiper. Not just talking about the six foot six, 300 pound Bill DeLoach over there, though he is a great worshiper. There's one thing, this has nothing to do with sermon. One time on a men's prayer group, uh, Bill was talking about how he said, man, I hope my worship just cut, just cut somebody free. Just, just, just break the chains, Lord, right? You're talking about just, uh, just your worship. You just want people to see you worshiping. Just, man, it just break the chains free of someone else. And they're, maybe they're, they're just timid and maybe they're just shy, but man, just, just let your worship just cut loose, you know? And, and this morning, you know, when we hear worship, when we think big worship, immediately by default, because of how we were raised, we immediately think what? Guitars, right? We think drums. We think music immediately. You know, some of us uh, maybe grew up very conservative worship services. You, th- you hear worship, you think organ. You think stained glass windows. You think pews, you know. Some people think guitars, drums. They immediately think rhythm. They think beats, right? They think uh, choruses, and they think choirs, and they think instruments, and it's just kind of by default. We naturally, when we hear the word worship, naturally that's just what we think. We think hands raised. We think clapping. We think singing out loud. Though those are parts of it, that is not defined by worship. Worship is not defined by just those things. It's not defined by a guitar. Though some people can play it just, just incredibly good. And it's just awesome that they use that for their ability to give to God, to use for his glory. But this morning, I want us to look at worship from a different angle. I want us to look at worship, big worship this morning. Because remember, you are a big worshiper. Look to the person beside you and say, you are a big worshiper. Go ahead and tell them. Say, you are a big worshiper. We all are. We all are. And it just comes natural. It just comes just like sin is natural. 
right? You never have to teach a little kid how to lie, cheat, and steal. You never have to teach a kid that. It just naturally happens. Same thing with worship. You and I naturally worship. It's what we were wired to do. Just like a light bulb has a wire and it goes to a wall to a switch, you flip that switch, that light bulb, it was just designed to shine. That was his whole purpose. It was wired to shine. You and I were wired to worship. You and I were wired to give, check this out, worth and value to someone or to something. Worship is the activity of the human soul. Think about that for a second. Worship is the activity. You can't help it. You can't stop it. You can only direct it. Worship, you, you are going to worship. You are going to put your worth. You are going to put your value into someone or to something your entire life. You were wired to do so. But worship is the activity of the human soul. You say, David, I'm checking out. This is not me. I'm not in the band, right? I don't play an instrument, David. I can't sing. I'm not in the choir. This whole worship thing, it's not about me, David. I'm going to kind of check out for the next 25 minutes or so. That's right, 25 minutes. I'm going to try to be done before 12 o'clock. Yeah, y'all better give me a good tip after the service in the spaghetti bowl on the way out. Help the youth. But check this out. You were wired to worship. You and I were both wired to worship. You say, David, I'm not real spiritual. I'm not real spiritual, David. I don't really go to church on Sunday. Well, guess what? Worship isn't a Sunday thing. It's an everyday everyday thing. You know, here's the deal. You know, worship is not a religious person thing. It is a human being thing. You and I are going to worship. We're going to put our worth and our value into someone or to something. It just comes natural. It's not a religious person thing. It's a human thing. I need everyone to be on board. I'm not talking about instruments. Not talking about, you know, Marvin Mumford Jr. over there was killing it on the drums, right? I'm just over there just lusting after his drumability. I just wish I could drum like that. I'm just like, oh, no, God, like, God, forgive me, Lord. I'm over there sinning, wishing I could, you know, I was coveting his drums over there. God, forgive me. You know, but I'm not talking about drums. I'm not talking about Marvin's amazing voice. I'm not talking about the choir. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about people this morning. You and I, people. We are big worshipers. And this matters this morning. Worship needs to come into our thinking. Worship needs to get higher on our priority list for several different reasons that we'll go over here in just a minute. But the main one is because God is worthy. He is worthy of all worth, of all value, of placing any type of time, energy, emotion, affection, money. If we're going to place anything into somebody or into something, that thing has got to be worth it, right? That thing that we place worth and we place value in has got to be worthy. Worship matters this morning, not because I say so, not because you think so, not because we're talking about big worship. Worship matters to us because it first matters to God. Worship has got to move up on our thinking, on our priority list. It's got to seep in and it's got to reign in the rule, but not because of me, not because of you, but because of God. He designed us that way. It's not a religious person thing. It is a human thing. We will all worship someone or something. So why does worship matter? It matters most because God is worthy. Somebody say, he's worth it. Let's, let's check out Psalm 96, 1 through 6. If you have your Bible, Psalm 96, 1 through 6. Cullen over there, awesome volunteer. He's going to put it up on the screen for us. Psalm 96, 1 through 6. Reading out of NLT this morning. It says, sing a new song to the Lord. 
Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Each day, proclaim the good news that he saves. Aren't you glad God saves? Proclaim it. The Bible says proclaim it every day. You need to proclaim it with your life. Proclaim it with your lips. Proclaim it with everything you post online, everything that you wear, everything that you say. Proclaim that God saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Publish. That means make it public, right? Right? People say, well, I'm going to live my faith, but it's just me. You know, it's just me and God. It's just a personal thing. I'm not going to go out there and do all this missions and evangelism. and decide. I, It's just a personal thing. I'm sorry, but you got the wrong thing going on if you think it's just a personal thing. It's a public thing, right? Christianity is a public thing. It's not about just, oh, I'm going to just, I'm going to hide his word in my heart. And that means I hide it and I don't share it with nobody. No, actually that word hide, hide means to treasure, right? It's like a pirate. And he's like, oh, you know, he's got all this stuff and he's like got all this gold and he, he treasures that gold and that silver, right? And he, and he holds on to it because it means something to him. The same way we hold God's word. We treasure it. We treasure it like gold and silver. We treasure it to our hearts because it means something to us. But he says, publish that. Publicize that. His glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everybody. I heard a preacher say this one time, and it was my dad. He said, everybody deserves to hear about Jesus. Everybody deserves to hear about Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. Tell everyone about the amazing things that he has done. Great is the Lord, and he is most worthy of praise. Somebody say most worthy. The Bible says he is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. Little g. The gods of the other nations are mere idols, but the Lord God made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. Skip on a bit further. Psalm 145, 1 through 3. Psalm 145, 1 through 3. We're going to have it on the screen as well. Just kind of emphasizes this whole thing that God is worthy. He is worth our worship. He is worth our time, our money, our energy, our efforts, our affections, our emotions. He is worth it all. Psalm 145, 1 through 3. I will exalt you, my God and my King. I will praise your name forever and forever. I will praise you every day. Yes, praise you forever. Great is the Lord. Here it is again. He is, everybody say it with me, most worthy. Say it, come on. Most worthy. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Some people will spend their entire lives putting their faith, putting their trust into things that are not even worth it. People will spend their entire existence putting their time, putting their money, putting their energy, putting their their blood, sweat, and tears into things of this world that are not even worthy. They're not even worth it. Last time I checked, God is the only God who's mighty to save. Amen. Last time I checked, God is the only God that can breathe life into a dead corpse and he'd be resurrected. Go look up resurrection on dictionary.com. Secular worldly definition, right? Website. the, the, The definition of resurrection. Number two, it says, Jesus Christ raised from the dead. That's the definition of resurrection. Why? Because we serve a God. He is the only one who is able to do that. He is worthy. He's the only God that can bring a child who's wandering in the world back to their family and back to a right relationship with God. He is God is the only God that can heal a broken marriage. He is the only God that can forgive sin. He is the only God that can redeem. He is the only God that can restore. He is the only God worthy. He is worthy. He is a big God. And a big God deserves big worship. Big glory. A big God deserves big glory. He is worth it. God is worthy. 
Number two, why does worship matter? Because you are a big worshiper. That's why worship matters. It's, but number one is because God is worthy, right? But last week we talked about just how big God is, right? We saw pictures of the different galaxies. We saw pictures of the Grand Canyon. We saw pictures of all these things that God has made with his, with, with, by his word. He has made. Because God is so big, he deserves big glory. He deserves big worship. He deserves everything. He doesn't deserve just a tip. He doesn't deserve just a little five minutes on Sunday, five minutes on Wednesday, and I go about my week. He deserves all that we are, all that we have, and he deserves every bit of our hearts because he is the designer. He is the creator of our hearts. Why would we give our hearts to something that's not even worth it? Why would we give our time and our energy and our money and our affection and our emotion and our energy and our talents and our gifts and our bit? Why would we give all those things in exchange the creator for something created? Why would we do that? You are a big worshiper. People think, well, David, if I become a churchgoer, then I'll be a worshiper. Well, David, if I become a Christian, then I'll be a worshiper. No, no, no. There is never in, 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 in the span of life, of human life, there has never been a lack of worship, ever. There's never been, there's never been a shortage of worship, ever. Acts 17, you don't have to turn there. I, don't, I didn't give this limb, just something that popped up in my head when we were up here worshiping. Acts 17, the Apostle Paul is going through the city of Athens. And as he's going through the city of Athens on the left side of the street and on the right side of the street all the way up to the temple, he sees all these altars, all these shrines. And there's to this God and to that God and this God and that God. And then he gets up to the top and he says, men of Athens, I notice that you're great worshipers. He says, you have, you have idols all the way up to your city. He said, and there's this one shrine, there's this one altar. It says, to an unknown God. How many of us in our life have an altar that says to an unknown God? And most of us put ourselves there, don't we? You, you follow the trail. Check this out. The trail never lies. The trail never lies. Look where you spend all your emotion, all your time, all your money, all your energy, all your affection, all your gifts and your time. Follow the trail. Your trail doesn't lie. You leave breadcrumbs with you everywhere you go, Right? You know your kid's been in the living room snacking on the cookies after you told him, hey, that's for, di- that's for dessert, don't be But you see cookie crumbs all over the couch. Like, that gummit, I see his crumbs. I knew he was here, you know? The same way with you and I. We leave crumbs. We leave a trail everywhere we go, where we spend our time, our money, our affection, our, our emotion. It leaves a trail. And every trail leads to a throne. Who or what is on your throne? Who or what is on your throne this morning? Acts 17, he says, the Apostle Paul says, Men of Athens, I see that you're great worshipers. He said, he said there's altars on this side. There's altars on that side. There's shrines. You're worshiping. He says, but there's one inscription I noticed. It says, to an unknown God. He says, this God that you don't know, he said, I'm about to proclaim him to you. Come on with it, Apostle Paul. That man started preaching the best sermon found in the book of Acts. He starts telling these men of Athens. He was like, man, I can't, I can't, I can't quote it because it's just too, I, I would do it injustice. You just got to go read it, Acts 17. You just got to go read it. But he begins telling them that, that, that God is not made into, in a temple that is made by human hands as if he was uh, to be served by, by human hands. But he created the entire world. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is an everlasting God and he is worth it. He is worth it. There's never been a lack of worship. Not in the Bible, not, not, not in our lifetime, not, a, not in the span of, of the years that it took to write this. There's never been a lack of worship. People have always worshipped. 
Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 9. I love this passage. Love that this is really going to hit home. Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 9. Check this out. Jot it down. It'll be on the screen. It says, you must not have any other gods but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or of an image of anything in the heavens or in the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection of any other gods. Please, please, if you don't get anything, please get this. Please, notice that the Bible does not say, it didn't say, worship me or don't worship at all. It does not say that. It says, don't worship anything but me, knowing full well we are going to worship something. That hit home with me this week. I never noticed that. Never had that come into my thinking. It just jumped off the page this week. The Bible does not say, either worship me, the Lord your God who made the head, either worship me or either don't worship at all. does not say that. It says, don't worship any other God but me, knowing full well God knew we would worship something. We were wired to worship. We were created by our God to worship, to put worth, to put worth and value into somebody, some relationship. People have been doing it since you were a kid. You looked up to your, to your mom and your dad. I looked up to my dad as a hero growing up. I worshiped, my, I worshiped my dad. He could fix anything. He could do anything. He could just anything, right? Worship my dad. It's all my trust, all my faith went into my daddy. Grow up a little bit older, you finally get that cool toy for Christmas, right? And you go to bed thinking about that toy, right? You wake up in the morning like, oh, I can't wait to play with that toy. All your time, all your emotion goes into that little toy that you got as a kid. Then you get into middle school, right? Middle school, you're finally playing sports, right? You're hitting the baseball. You're playing soccer. And you, you, all blood, sweat, and tears goes into that sport. You travel the world to play that sport. You'll buy the most expensive baseball bat, helmet, cleats. You'll do anything because you worship that sport. I did the same thing. Then you get into high school, you get that car, right? You get that 4x4 truck. Guess what? I'd had two jobs growing up just to pay for all the accessories on my truck when I was 16. I worshiped my truck. I did. I'd bow down in a mud pit. Oh, F-250, mud grips, right? I would just, I worshiped that truck, right? I worked and I worked my tail off to pay for that thing. Anything I wanted, I got it. I, if I didn't have it, I'd get another job. I worshiped that truck. And then you get into college, right? You find that significant other, that other person you want to spend the rest of your life with, all of your affection, all of your emotion, all of your time, all of your money, cha-ching, it's expensive to find your significant other. <laughs> you will spend money like you never thought you would spend. You'll buy whatever just to see that person smile, right? To surprise them with something. You worship that person. You love that person. You'll drive 10 hours to go get them a vehicle. You'll do whatever it takes. You love them. Since the beginning of time, we've all worshipped. Since the beginning of time. You can't stop it. You can't help it. You can only direct it. I was up there this morning praying. There was no one else in the balcony. It was just me in that top corner chair. I was just praying, God, just, just be with the service this morning. God, just, just help Marvin as he's, as he's leading us. and help, help, Just help me, God, speak your word. And Charles Huggins walked up and gave me a, uh, gave me a slip of paper. He handed this to me. I said, what's that, Charles? I was hoping it was like $5 or something, you know, because he had it tucked away in his hand. You know what I'm saying? You know how people do that. They're trying to be all smooth. Hey, what's up, dude? You know? <laughs> oh, dude, $5, you know? 
five McDoubles, you know. And what? What you laughing? You know you can eat five McDoubles too. Them things are tiny. All right. But he handed me this little slip of paper. Jeremiah 12, 17. He said, I said, what's this for? He said, God told me to write it down. He told me to give it to you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, we'll see what it is. He had no clue what I'm preaching on. Absolutely no clue. I hadn't talked to this joker. I hadn't, hadn't shared my notes or nothing. Jeremiah 12, 17. But any nation who refuses to worship me will be uprooted and destroyed. I, the Lord your God, have spoken. Anybody, any nation, any people group, any person that does not bow down and obey me and worship me will be uprooted. The Bible says I will destroy you if you don't bow down to worship me. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Amen. He says I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm not going to tolerate you spending all your time, all of your emotion, all of your energy, all of your money onto some little G God. He says, I am the Lord your God who made the heavens. I made everything. I am worthy. I'm the only one that's worthy. And anybody that does not bow down and worship me will be uprooted and you will be destroyed. The best thing that I think I can encourage you to do this morning to think about is to realize there is an all-out war going on over your worship. God is worthy. You are a big, somebody say big. Say big. You are a big worshiper. You're never going to stop. You're always going to put your worth and your value into something or to someone. Always. You will never be a lack of a worshiper, ever. Doesn't matter if you go to church on Sunday or not. Doesn't matter if you consider yourself spiritual or not. You will worship something or somebody. It may be a relationship. It may be a job. It may be a title. It may be a bank account. It may be the car in the parking lot. It may be your business. You will worship something. But the last thing I want to leave you with is that there is an all-out war going on over your worship. Best example I can give you, and I, I didn't give this to him to put on the screen. I just want to tell you the story, the story of Job. When I was a little kid, I thought it was Job, but Job. And the story of Job starts off like this, that the angels in the heavens were coming to God's throne, and the Bible says that, that the enemy, right, the devil was with them, and he came up with them, and God asked him, where have you been, Satan? Where have you been? Satan replied to, to God, because he has to respond to God, by the way. He's got to give an account, right? There is an authority over him, and it is God. Satan is not cut loose doing whatever he wants. He gets whatever permission God grants to him. God is in control. Why? Because he's worthy. Satan's not worthy, but God is worthy. God said, where have you been, Satan? Satan said, I've been going, I've been in the earth to and fro, roaming around the earth. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered him? He's an upright man. He's blameless, right? He's righteous. There's no one like him. Wouldn't you be, like to be that Job, right? The guy could look down from heaven and say, man, have you considered Blake? Have you considered Stephen? Oh my God, have you considered them? They're upright. They're just, right? They're blameless. They're righteous people. It just blows my mind what happened to Job. God grants Satan permission to go and to tempt Job. I just want to read just a few verses, and we're going to wrap up here in just a few short minutes. One day, this was after the conversation between Satan and God. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived 
at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. And then these people raided us. They stole all the animals and they killed all of your farmhands, all your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While that messenger was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from the heavens and burned up your sheep and all of the shepherds that were working. I am the only one who escaped to come and to tell you. While that messenger was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. News. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen all your camels and they have killed all the servants watching the camels. I am the only one who escaped to come to tell you. While that messenger, so here we got four people, right? So while that messenger was still speaking, the Bible says another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and your daughters, your children were feasting in the oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept from the wilderness and it hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all of your children are dead. All of your kids are dead. I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief and then he shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshipped. Don't miss that. He fell to the ground and then he worshipped. He said, naked did I come into this world, naked will I return. Check this out in my favorite verse, Job 121. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. He gives and he takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be his name. And it goes on to get worse and to get worse. But at the end, Job has returned tenfold of everything that he had. God blessed him because he persevered. But what if you, you as a worshiper, if all hell broke loose in your home, all hell broke loose in your life, God forbid you lost your business. God forbid you lost all of your employees. You lost all your children. Could you bow down like Job did? Fall to your knees. And the Bible says that he worshiped God after his kids we're just killed. He worshiped God. Why? I'll tell you why. Number one, because God's worthy. Amen? He is worthy. He is worth it. He is the only one. The only one that ever promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I promise you, hey, friends are going to come and go. Church members are going to come and go, right? Athletes are going to come and go. Movie stars, rock stars, they're all going to just come and go. Businesses, they're going to come and go. But God said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. If you persevere, it, it develops this per- endurance, right? This perseverance in our hearts and our souls that we can continue to worship Him. We can continue to give Him all, even though He slay me. Yet will I still trust in Him. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Who or what is on your throne? Who or what is on your throne? Follow the trail. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your effort, your ability, your energy, your affection, all of your emotion? Where does that trail end? It all leads to a throne. It all leads to a throne. Who or what is on your throne? God is a big God. He deserves big glory. He deserves big worship. Every head bowed, every eye closed. He said, David, I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. I know if I die today, I'm going to go to heaven to spend eternity worshiping Him. If that's you, but you've traded, it's something created for, for the Creator, something in your life has gotten in the way. Here's a simple question to figure out what's gotten in the way. Who or what is standing in the way between you and God? Immediately something popped up in your head. A relationship, a bad habit. Something popped up in your head right then and there. What is standing in the way between you and God? 
child of God, if there's something in the way, come right here, right now. Don't hesitate. Get to this altar and pray and ask God to forgive you. People are moving. Let's go. If who or what is standing in the way between you and God, whatever that is, just come and pray. Ask God to forgive you of your sin. The Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess, if you, it's your responsibility to confess your sin. I can't confess your sin for you. Pastor Mark can't cleanse you of your sin. It's only a personal relationship with God. Who or what is on your throne? So David, I just need to get rid of some things. I love Jesus. I trust in Jesus. But man, my business is in the way. Man, I'm just, I'm so flooded just thinking about my business. I'm so flooded with, with thinking about this bad habit that I have. I'm so f- flooded with this relationship. I'm so just, just, uh, just overwhelmed by all these things. I just need to ask the God for forgiveness. I just need to take that off, the, off my throne and give it over to God. Just come, child of God. If that's you, just come. What about the rest of you? You say, David, I've never put my faith and trust into Jesus. I've never put my faith and my trust into the everlasting God. He is Alpha and He is Omega. There is no beginning and I know that there is no end. But right here, right now, I choose. I want to make the decision. Me personally. I know I can't ride no one's coattail into heaven. I have to have my own relationship with Jesus. If that's you and you want to confess right here, right now, that God is the everlasting God. That strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. If you want to confess, just open up your heart right here, right now. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm not saved. But God, come into my heart. Come into my life right here, right now. God, I confess all of my sin to you. You are a holy God. You are a big God. And you deserve big worship and big glory from my life. So God, come into my heart. Come into my life. Change me. Use me. Save me. I'm forever yours. If you prayed something like that, you believed with every breath of your body, every bone that's in your body, would you just lift your hand right here, right now, say, I ask God, praise God. I see three hands in the back, four, five. Praise God. Right? See you back there in the back, young lady. You prayed and you asked God to come into your life. Would you stand and would you come down here for prayer? That's all I'm asking you to do. Would you be so bold to come forward and say, hey, I just prayed and asked the everlasting God to come into my life. Would you be so bold to come? As those are coming, would you stand? Would you stand with me? Everyone, every person under the sound of my voice, God is the everlasting God. 